Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of the Playsheet Podcast. I'm Charles, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Joe. Good evening, Charles. Joe, what a week week one was, full of upsets, massive scores, injuries. There's honestly so much to talk about. Huge, huge. And it's not just huge because it's week one and we're excited to be back. I mean, this was a massive week and we'll get onto it. But I mean, it feels like the biggest event probably since at least the Demar Hamlin uh, incident last year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got to kick off with the talk about Aaron Rodgers. It's nice to be able to talk about Aaron Rodgers without feeling the guilt of being a Green Bay fanboy that always wants to talk about his quarterback. Um, But this is not a good chat, is it, Joe? This is the biggest news of the week. Like I said, it's the biggest news in the NFL since at least the Hamlin issue last year. But I mean, from a football perspective, this is way, way bigger. We put a whole part of the agenda last week to talk about the Jets hype, and it's gone. It's gone. Everything that was getting hyped up about the Jets, all the excitement, all the what could have been, what might have been, it's gone. And they knew it from the moment it happened. A uh, Achilles, you know, on the field. It's one of those ones you don't even need to diagnose. Uh, his season's over. And to be honest, at 39, rupturing your Achilles, we could feasibly never see um, Rogers play another snap of football ever again. But picture this, Joe, right? He goes down in, uh, what was it, the fourth play? Fourth snap, yeah. Right, and despite that, the Jets still won, and yet here we are, the hype has gone, despite the fact that they beat the Bills essentially without Aaron Rodgers. Well, let's let's talk about the hype in just a minute. Let's Shall we get the Aaron Rodgers injury and the implications out to start with, and then we'll come back on to what it means for the Jets. I'll put this one up to you first of all, Charles. Do you think that we've seen the last of Rodgers now in a very unceremonious way? I'll, I'll tell you why I don't. Um... We're talking about a man who we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast and his ego. And there is no way Aaron Rodgers wants to go out like that. You know all the talk he was giving off season. He turned up for camp, which he never bloody does. He's there mentoring, you know, being the perfect quarterback. There is no way he wants his legacy to end as flatly as that. I think he's coming back. But let me flip this back on you, Charles. He was 90% ready to retire at the end of last season until he went to his darkness retreat nonsense. Was he, though, or did he just want out of Green Bay? But that's a claim. But, I mean, assume, like, take him for his word. He was going to retire last year, and, I mean, his last season was extremely underwhelming. As a Green Bay fan, I've learned to never take Aaron Rodgers for his word. Well, there you go. But, look, um, it's going to be very hard to come back. It's a long road. I mean, if you're... 19 years of age and Achilles is hard to come back from he's 39 years of age so he's definitely not coming back this season no and he'd be rehabbing through the off season if he was to start next year so let's take it what this means for the Jets they went with Wilson like you said and they actually managed to win the game we can talk about how much that was due to the Bills being a turnover just constantly waiting to happen or whether that was truly through Jets good play but let's just put things in the context of last season. Last season, the Jets finished 7-10. Seven, and ten. seven wins, 10 losses. Five of those wins were against teams with backup quarterbacks. So we talked about how good the Jets' defense is, etc., etc. But they only actually won against two starting quarterbacks. All the others were backups. So there was probably a little bit of inflation there. The second thing as well is, statistically, the Jets were the healthiest team 
in the league last year. They suffered the fewest injuries. It, 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 it seems like there's a shuddering, horrible return to mean in week one of this year, but they had the fewest injuries. Now, you're not going to have that next season. They're going to be banged up. They're going to have problems. You're going to have people off the field. They're not going to have their first team on offense or defense as much as they had last season. So you feel a return to mean will probably take away one or two of those wins. So... Rodgers was elevating the team, he absolutely was, no denying that, but you go back to the team you had last year, which, as we discuss a lot when we're talking about the hype, is probably not improved in the right ways. It's not like they've added offensive line help, which I banged on about a lot. They added a running back who, in week one, basically did nothing. So you take the same team as last year, and you probably expect them to actually win fewer than seven games, because a return to mean... Uh, not playing backup quarterbacks all the time. Can we reasonably talk about this team actually making playoffs? Or is it just a dream over there now? Uh, personally, I think the dream's over. I think that the Jets' defense is unreal. Like, I, I think the Jets' defense won them that game, essentially. They completely shut down Allen. This is going slightly on a tangent here, Joe, but if you want, like, a just a nutty fact... So their safety, Jordan Whitehead, he has already hit one of his bonus targets for the year with has his he really? three interceptions. It's just earned him quarter of a million dollars. That's incredible. I was not aware of that. That's an incredible little factoid. In week one, you know, it, Brilliant. defense is... And, but on the same line, he's on for 51 interceptions for the season. <laughs> yeah. If you extrapolate what he's done in week one. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, very true. Yeah, no, wow. Not aware of that, but yeah. But I think we've got to talk about this in terms of the Bills as well. It's hard to just talk about this in isolation with the Jets. Since he entered the league in 2018, I believe it was. Since he entered the league in 2018, no one has had more turnovers than Josh Allen. He's had all the hype. He's had all the plaudits come his way. But he is a walking turnover machine. He throws a lot of interceptions. He fumbles the ball a lot. All right, he gave up four against what is probably a good Jets defense. But how much of this is Josh Allen here? And are maybe the Bills perhaps not the not the contenders that we perhaps hype them as preseason? He's also 0-5 in overtime games. He is. He's 0-5 in overtime games. Now, you know, one of them, when he didn't even get the ball, probably wasn't really his fault. <laughs> true, true. So there's a little bit of, of negative stat padding there that you've got to take into account. But that's true. Yeah, he's he's never won an overtime game. He's a walking turnover. He's never won an, an overtime game. Yep, like, you know, he's exciting when it comes off. But is perhaps Josh Allen part of a reason why this Bills team will never get over the line, never get to the big game? And that's kind of hypothetical. We're going down a rabbit hole here. We're talking about the Jets. But... Um, that's a different kind of conversation in itself. But if we stick to the Jets now, I, I guess I'm just kind of putting it into context that as good as the Jets were, I think that we shouldn't make out this Bills team to be something that they weren't. I think that's fair in part. I mean, I I think, look, you know, some of the turnovers, when you look at some of the turnovers that, that they had, uh, Alan was throwing into double coverage. I didn't think they were necessarily awful, awful passes. Um, but, but no one makes you throw into double coverage, Chaz. But that's, no one makes you No, no, that. no, of course not. But that that's the kind of player that you've got in Allen. You, you, you know, he's high-risk, high-reward quarterback. And the Bills have rolled the dice on that. And they've built their team around that. And there are certain games like this, others where he's 
going to win it all. But ultimately, I, I think that is an issue when you're talking about making a Super Bowl run because consistency is key. And I think that's what you don't have with Allen. That aside, I think, look, I think the Jets' defense is awesome, but defense alone isn't going to win you the game. They have a slightly injured Hall, even though he was playing week one and, and seemingly did okay. Mate, Hall was very good. Yeah, yeah, Hall was very good. They now have, like, the same quarterback trouble that they had last year. We've already talked about their kind of lack of wide receiver options. I think their defense is an incredible foundation to build a Super Bowl team on, but it's a foundation, it's not everything. And I think because of that, the Jets are going to fall short. Okay, but if you've got a championship standard defense and you're in that window, then surely you've got to do something about it. Now, the Rodgers thing is a huge setback. No one's denying that. But if your defense is that good, what do you do about it? You don't sit on your hands and say, well, we're just going to play things out with Wilson and see where that goes. Do you trade? Do you pick up a free agent? What can the Jets actually do here to try to make the best out of that situation? Yeah, I mean, free agency-wise, what's out there? Well, look, so kind of players who are unattached, who you could possibly go and pick up. Now, a a few idiots have mentioned Brady. Brady was literally on Gillette Field saying he's forever a Patriot in front of Robert Kraft on Sunday. Brady ain't playing for this Jets team, especially when he saw the tackle play that was happening. I think Brady values his knees. You're not going to see Brady play for the Jets. Any Jets fans who've got any illusions, get rid of that right now. Flacco is still out there. Flacco has been a Jet. He's familiar with some of the playbook. Matt Ryan, recently retired. Option. Phil Rivers, two years out. That's stretching it a little bit more now. But, uh, you know, possibly. I mean, you, you go beyond that. Colt McCoy. We, we, we spoke about him getting dropped by the Cardinals. Like, I mean, he'd probably be a sensible option if you just want someone to keep Wilson on the stream regular because I mean there's hardly anyone behind Wilson now I think there's I think they're only carrying three quarterbacks on the roster Rodgers Wilson I can't think of who the third quarterback was I should probably know this I've not got a depth chart in front of me but I mean if you want veteran presence just to keep some competition in the QB room you could do worse than Colt McCoy but that would be all it would be right it would be competition because none of those people that you've listed are definite starters above Wilson I don't, I don't know. I think that if you bought Matt Ryan in... Oh, but he looked so bad towards the end with the Falcons and so bad with the Colts. Yeah, but then... Yeah, I, I understand that. What about Nick Foles? Yeah, Nick Foles is... Nick Foles, perhaps? Nick Foles, perhaps. Yeah, possibly. But then equally, Chaz, Nick Foles has looked basically rubbish in any team except the Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl team. Like, you yeah. take Nick Foles out of that Eagles playoff run. And, I mean, really, what has he done? Yeah. Uh, and what we're talking about, the Eagles, Carson Wentz is still out there as well. Oh, thank you. But, well, yeah, but, uh, no thank you if I'm a GM. But you've got these options which are out there. So, A, what I'd say is do not be surprised if the Jets pick up one of those players we just mentioned. I think that you have to pick up someone. You cannot just have Wilson with absolutely no one else in the quarterback room putting pressure on him. I... Don't know what Rogers will do. I mean, he's got to go rehab. Does he want to hang around the team and just be that kind of mentor to Wilson? I, I think the initial kind of sounds and noises will be that he wants that. But I mean, thinking you're going to do that I and mean, the reality of being part of a team, he just cannot physically influence in any way. It's very different. So will we see Rogers around helping out? I'm not sure. You need someone who's going to be ready to play in that room. So I think they have to pick someone up. But if anyone can actually change 
their course can actually influence their, their play, can actually make the team. It's Finn Pickens out there, Charles. And just to state the obvious, if it was that easy, they would have picked up one of those vets already and wouldn't have traded away two potential first-round picks for Rodgers, which actually one of the net losers in all of this as well, just to touch on something else, is Green Bay, because Green Bay will not be getting that second first for Aaron Rodgers now. It will be a second. But then the flip side of that as well is, though, that if Rodgers was playing, and if Rodgers was going to work out how you'd think Rodgers was going to work out, that would have been a high first pick because the Jets would have done well, so would have probably made playoffs, so would have That's probably true. been picking late in the first round. Now that they're probably going to do quite badly, they'll probably be picking quite low, so the gap between a high first round pick and a low second round pick probably isn't as far as you'd expect, so mm. it's probably going to work out not too much different. But there's, but there will be a little bit of come off from what the uh, Packers could have got from that trade. Yeah, very good point. Well, look, before we spend the entire podcast talking about the Jets <laughs> and, and, and we could spend Rogers, three podcasts talking about it. <laughs> what do you think this does to this division now? We're going to get onto this in just a minute because there's a team I want to talk about who I was very impressed by this weekend. But I think, if anything, this opens a runway for the Dolphins. And I was extremely impressed by the Dolphins week one. So let's get on to that then. Let's, yeah, let's dive into the Dolphins. the Dolphins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, yeah. So, so the game of the week was Dolphins Chargers. And there's just no way around that. Seven lead changes, 60 plus points. The Dolphins were incredible. You saw what will be one of the wide receiving games of the season from Tyreek Hill. And I feel that I have the strength to say that when he cost me a fantasy game. <laughs> uh, very magnanimous of you there, Joe. Oh, I, thank you, guys. It took a lot for me to, <laughs> deep. to do that there. Uh, for, 41 points Ooh. on PPR. Yeah, um, Tyreek Hill was incredible. Tua was almost faultless. And I don't think the Chargers team that they played was bad. I think that this Chargers team will do well. It's probably the best Chargers team we've seen for a while. Don't get me wrong, they still always find a way to lose, but always find a way to shoot themselves in the foot. Just like we saw JC Jackson do at the end of the second half, where basically Tua threw the ball in, into four-man coverage. So it was basically four men around the wide receiver. And JC Jackson, in his wisdom, decided to push the wide receiver when there were probably about three other players yeah. that have intercepted the ball. So uh, idiot moves like that from a Chargers. I'm not denying that. The Dolphins look very good. The only thing I'd have probably fought with them, if I was to pick out a big fault... No, I'll do one big one and one small one. The big one is that they gave up... I think I get out something like 235 rush yards against Chargers. And I basically mocked people who took Austin Eckler first round in fantasy drafts. I just don't really think that's going to be a thing this season. But that's a lot of rush yards to be given up week one. So if you're going to really be a championship defense, you need to sort your rush defense out. Second thing, Tua was looking for Tyreek, I think, too much. It was, it was, it was almost obvious. Every single play his eyes would go to number 10. And I thought if I was a defensive coordinator worth my salt, I'd be working out schemes to imply that Tyreek has got one-on-one man-to-man coverage, which is the idiot move that Chargers did all through that game. He was basically man-to-man all the way through. Stupid. But I'd be implying that as a, as a defensive coordinator and then slipping in a linebacker into the channel at the last minute to look for an interception. Like, I mean, I, I think that's the easiest way to get interceptions against this team. Make it look like man, but then put someone in the channels. But if Tua makes it a little bit less obvious towards Tyreek, this is a high-powered, high-speed O, which I think teams are just going to struggle to stop all season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, 
my feeling is the same with the Chargers. I kind of said this when we were giving our predictions last week, but I, I do feel they shoot themselves too much. I do think their defense is an area of liability. I mean, they gave up 70 yards of penalties in this match. I, like that, to me, is too much, way too much. And I think that is, we've seen it time and time again for the past two, three seasons with this Chargers team. It's it's kind of their defense and their special play teams that continually let them down. Yep. And I know that it's been going on for this long, Charles, so it should have been fixed by this point. But I feel that it it should be able to be coached out of them. Like, you don't need to give up penalties. I feel that there's quality on this Chargers team. And I feel that this Chargers team are not a top three AFC team. Because I'm going to put the Dolphins in there. I don't think you can get rid of the Chiefs from there. you got Bengals and Bills. We'll get on to them later. But I mean... Very decent side, and there's no reason why the Chargers won't get to playoffs. You've got a secondary there that's got Derwin James. You've got JC Jackson, who I know made that boneheaded play, but he made some great plays in that game as well. You've got Asante Samuel Jr. You've got one of the best secondaries in the league. You've got Joey Bosa on the pass rush. The defense should have all the pieces it needs to really make a run of things. On the offense, you've got Justin Herbert throwing the ball. Eckler, you know, I feel he's undersized. I feel they've not got enough else behind him. I feel there should be a committee-back team with him in there playing his piece. You've got Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, their tight end, Donald Parnham uh, Jr., 6 for 8 scored a touchdown. Huge present. He could be one of the elite Titans in the league. There's so many pieces across this team, but I think that if they just get those mental idiocies out of their game, this is a good Chargers team, and, and, and the Dolphins beat them. So this is just what I want to go back to, because we're going to talk in just a minute about teams that didn't get off to a fast start. The Dolphins got off to the right start. And there's a fashion in some other kind of podcasts and good morning football and that kind of stuff to say that week one's a liar. We've been saying that ever since we started this podcast. I think since season one, episode three, when we got into week one, we've been talking about how you can't read too much into week one. But the Dolphins weren't expected to be a bad team. They're expected to be a good to above average team. And they played very well week one. So I've been just impressed by this Dolphins team. And I think they're going to be a great team to watch for the rest of the season. Amen to that. All right, then let's talk about the three, I'd say, arguably big upsets that we saw then in terms of Chiefs, Bengals. I mean, Bills, we always thought it was going to be a tight game, but a lot of people had this Bills team, you know, quite high up. To see Chiefs, Bengals and Bills fall in week one, it feels it feels huge. Yeah, if one of them had gone, it would be a kind of accumulator kind of breaker. But to see kind of all three go down, I mean, that's... You get big odds against that. Now, I'm going to pose a question to you, Charles. The Chiefs lost against the Lions. Bengals lost against the Browns. Bills, as we've spoke about in a lot of detail, lost to the Jets. Which of those teams' fan bases do you think should be worried the most? Oh, wonderful question. Do you know what? I'm going to say the Bengals. And the only reason for that is, look, Joe Burrow looked horrendous out there. We know he went into week one potentially still carrying an injury. I suppose the question is, how quickly can he get back to the Burrow of last season and the season before? I think that is their biggest issue. The Chiefs look we talked about the importance of Kelsey. We said it probably gave the Lions the edge and they won it by a single point. As we mentioned, the games that they're coming up against, yeah, they're okay teams. I think they can weather 
the next potentially three weeks without Kelsey. Bills, I think, came up against an awesome Jets defense and Allen had one of those games. I think they'll be okay. For me, it's the Bengals. I think that they look dreadful without Burrow and they seem to have no other a fallback plan. You know, what are you going to do? How can you get the run game more involved? I know it's difficult when you're chasing, but what are your other alternatives? They had no plan B and I think that was a major issue for them. Okay, interesting. I'm going to take a slightly different slant on this one. It seems every season, every season, is one of those games where it's played with the Browns at home, where it's just biblical rain and it's horrible and everyone's sat in ponchos as the game <laughs> kicks off and by the end of the first quarter no like no one's in the stand because everyone just gives up on it because it's just such horrible weather we saw it in the game i think that obj played out his skin in maybe the season before last we see it now and again and the weather was a big factor with the browns versus bengals for whatever reason the bengals didn't adjust to it the right way and i'm not going to take that away i'm not going to make that as an excuse they should have adjusted they should have done better but i think that you can almost kind of let that go i think you can just put this down to a bad weather game borrow being a little bit injured there first game i think ultimately the most assured side there in terms of depth in terms of overcoming things are actually the bengals and i'd be less worried if i was a bengals fan i think you could be worried more about the two other teams for differing reasons i think that if you look at the chiefs i think that it's just once again highlighted that the chiefs are a two-man team in 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 many ways for the quality and what they've achieved over the last few seasons with Tyreek now being gone you have to have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey on the field at all times and if you do not have him on the field at all times this is not a Chiefs team that wins and Travis Kelsey's getting older what is he Charles is he 32 33 something like that Titans can go on for a while I mean Gonzalez, if I remember, went on till 37-ish, I think. But you get more and more injuries as you go down this kind of 30-year stretch. And it feels to me like they're just walking a very tight rope now because the receiving core in that team, as we saw from Tony, and we've not spoke about Tony on this show today. We could have gone into that, but I think all the memes are already out there. We don't need to rub sorting that one anymore. But the receiving core is garbage. So if you don't have Kelsey on that team, not only do you lose that receiver, you lose all their special plays, you lose everything else, you lose the confidence. The Chiefs are relying heavily on Mahomes and Kelsey. Flip to the Bills. I think that I mentioned it in, in I think, an episode, two episodes ago, about how a lot of Bills fans feel that the team's kind of on a downward swing now, about how Josh Allen, as good as he is, is not the quarterback who's going to take them kind of over the hump. I feel that if you watch closely now, I feel the narrative on Josh Allen is going to change the season. From being that kind of blockbuster, exciting player, who a lot of the kind of media and talking heads were kind of making him out to be last year, I think he's going to almost take a kind of Kirk Cousins-type reputation going forward, where he's good when it almost doesn't matter, but then the rest of the time he's turnovers and he's not going to get you all the way. I think that's what Josh Allen is going to be defined as until and if he ever wins the Super Bowl, which the way he's playing right now, he won't do. So I think there's fundamental flaws in both the Chiefs and the Bills. The Chiefs, you can overcome them as long as you've got health. The Bills, you perhaps can't overcome them. Whereas the Bengals, I'm willing to put that down to just a bit of bad weather, first week of the season, a little bit of injury, they'll come good. I don't disagree with you on the Chiefs at all. I just think that 
Kelsey's injury, I mean, he'll be back in three weeks at, at like the maximum. He may even be back sooner. So like, I'm not until the next time he and I hear until the next that. time he gets injured is is kind of yeah, what I'm saying. He's older and he may be more you know prone to future injuries, perhaps. But he's held he's held it together so far for the most part. I'm not massively worried about them. Bills, ah, I don't know. I mean, I look. I I'm looking at Allen's stats. And I know stats only tell a part of the picture, but they're not awful. 217 passing yards, rush for 97, like 19 three first down. interceptions. Yeah, three interceptions against the Jets. They, they also got five sacks on him. The Jets' defense is imperious. I don't think he'll struggle this much. He fumbled the ball twice in one play. The way that he plays is he plays almost like... You remember when you used to play like FIFA before the days of the internet and you'd play like on the same playstation with your mate and you'd be like the red circle and your mate would be like the yellow circle and your mate would never pass it to you josh allen's that guy and like that's how he plays yeah maybe but against most defenses that works it didn't work against the jets and like i said to you i i'm not going to shoot down the jets defense i'm not going to criticize them but just all i'm saying is that Five out of the seven wins they had last year on a defense-driven team were against backup quarterbacks. They're good, right? They, they're they good, but I don't think they're the 1985 Bears. Okay. So then quickly, Joe, just finishing with other bad beats. <laughs> I mean, the Cowboys beating the Giants 40 points to zero and not a single passing touchdown. What the hell? Yeah, I, I put this in the agenda because it just felt like one of those things that we just kind of had to mention. Because I knew that we'd spend about three-fifths of a podcast talking about the Jets. So, for a bit of balance, I had to put the Giants in there. This was a really, really strange game. You want to talk about good defences? Look at the Cowboys. Yeah. What was it? Two touchdowns that they got? The run game seemed to work with Pollard. And this is one of the things where you're saying, yeah, there were no passing touchdowns. I think Dak only got... I've not got stats in front of me. What was it, 143 yards? Something oh, like that? yeah, like Dak barely, you know, it wasn't about Dak. But that's but that's exactly the right way to put it, Chaz. It's not that Dak was bad. It's not like no. Dak couldn't get the ball moving. It just wasn't about Dak on that night, right? But had it been about Dak, Dak has shown in previous seasons, in previous games, that he, that he can make it be about him. So it's almost like we saw the Cowboys win 40 to nothing, but we only saw half of what the Cowboys can do. Yeah. So you want to talk about kind of NFC teams who are going to be around. And I stand by what I said kind of preseason. There's only three possible teams from the NFC which are going to Super Bowl. And we have the 49ers, the Eagles, and the Cowboys. And nothing which I saw in week one. And week one, you can't read too much into it. You, you cannot read too much into week one. But there's nothing that changes my view on that. No, I, I think that's fair. Bears... Love an opportunity to dump all over the Bears. It turns out Fields was not their saviour this time around. Oh man, the Bears just sucked. Like We gave a lot of airtime last episode talking about how the Cardinals were perhaps the bottom kind of basement team of the league. But I mean, wow, the Bears looked abysmal. And there's been this whole thing about how Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears and all that kind of stuff. Well, he left the deeds to Jordan Love or whoever else is in Green Bay left over. I mean, it was bad. If I was a Chicago Bears fan, it's just grim. It really, it's just, it's just grim. It just, you feel like they drafted well. It like it, people got excited about their draft, and there was a bit of a, 
I wouldn't call it a buzz because no one was saying that this Bears team is going to play off. No. The buzz was that they're not going to suck, right? They still sucked. They sucked bad. Yeah. And there's a few teams where week one, you can actually read into it and say, actually, wow, yeah, that's it's going to be a rough season. Most teams, you know, there's plenty of teams who are going who are zero and one going into week two. There's some very good teams who we just did in the last piece who are going into week two. Your Chiefs, your Bengals, your Bills. There are some teams going zero and one into week two, and you know it's already going to be a long season. And that's the Bears. We're touching on it quickly because we're probably going to talk on them more through the rest of the season. We'll probably do a bit of a piece about how bad they are and why they're so bad, and we can get back onto them once that kind of just gets confirmed. But I mean. Horrible, horrible game from the Bears against Jordan Love, and I'm I'm saying this now, Charles. Right? People were saying that Jordan Love looked good because he threw for I think it's about 300 yards, three touchdowns, and I don't want to take that away from him. I'm going to say to you right now that I do not think that Jordan Love will be an a top 16 quarterback, and I think that the Bears made him look like a top five quarterback at a weekend. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree with the first part of that statement. I, I, I think if you actually looked at the play, like a lot of his big yardage were from dink over the top plays to Aaron Jones, who then went on a mad run and absolutely broke through the Bears defense. It wasn't like he was dropping bombs like 60 yards or whatever. I think he looked like a passable quarterback. I think where the Bears really suffered was offensively, they made Green Bay look like they had a top two defense. And that isn't the case. Fair points, but I just want to make the point that the quarterback with the highest quarterback rating of week one was Jordan Love. Yeah, because he was safely playing it to basically Jones for a large portion of the game. For the whole portion of the game, but the Bears well, couldn't adjust. until he got injured. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, but it, this is a bad Bears team, and, and we just won't kind of talk about it in high level now. We'll get into more detail later down the road, but um, we'll leave it there, shall we? Yeah. So just finish off, Texans, bad. Arizona, bad. Let's get into next week then. Cardinals versus Giants. <laughs> it's almost like the Cardinals are just like the kind of benchmark for really being rubbish and we used them kind of week one we said it'd be interesting to see how they do against uh the commanders if they get blown out it shows they're really bad if they kind of make a go at it then hey maybe they're not abysmal maybe they're just bad and hey look maybe they weren't abysmal and maybe they are just bad because they kind of held their own with the, the um commanders through most of that game they're playing against a giants team who just went 0 and 40 now i I am willing to say, hey, that was an abomination. It's week one. Let's not read too much into it. Stuff happens. You can come over it. Dust yourself off and let's go again. Let's see. If the Cardinals, I don't know, get blown out 40-0 by the Giants, then then again, it kind of shows how bad they are. If they make a run of it, then hey, perhaps they're at least going to be competitive. It's a game I think that not a lot of people are going to have a lot of eyes on, but I just think it's going to be interesting for me. I always just like to see kind of what that kind of bottom standard is because where's you need to floor? understand that. To, <laughs> where's the floor? Exactly, Charles. No, no, no. That's exactly exactly what it is. You need to know where that floor is to put everything else in perspective. And I think that just seeing how the Cardinals do against the Giants will help to kind of put that into perspective. And any other games that you're looking out for? Look, for me personally, I'll be looking out for the Vikings not the result wanted in week one I think Baker Mayfield just on the quiet just to give him his dues I thought Baker Mayfield played very very well he's a quarterback who's had a lot of shade thrown his way 
I don't really think that he could have done much more than what he did in week one against the Vikings. But I feel it's a game that the Vikings should have won. Now, the Eagles, though, what I want to say is that I felt the Eagles were disappointing. They ran out to a pretty big lead against the Patriots, but then couldn't mm. close the game. And the Patriots came back. And just to quickly touch on this, uh, actually, I'm, I'm glad you asked me this because I did just want to touch on Patriots-Eagles game. Mac Jones threw for 300 yards and change and three touchdowns against this Eagle team. Mac Jones. Yeah. This is statistically Mac Jones's best game ever against the Eagles, week one. Who were boasting, what, number one or two defense last year? Exactly. And there were times when Mac Jones was carving them up. There were drives where Mac Jones was uh, looking like Aaron Rodgers in, in his kind of pomp, just charging down the field. Had they made the two-point conversion at the end, I mean, this could have this could have gone to overtime. We talked about Bills, Bengals, Chiefs because they're 0-1. But I think that there has to be a little bit of attention placed on the Eagles also not performing anywhere near as well as they've perhaps been hyped to play at. Totally agree. So <laughs> if I was an Eagles fan, I'm obviously not, but if I was, I want to go and see them do something like they did in week two last season where they put about 40 points on the Vikings and just destroyed Kirk Cousins in prime time. It's the Thursday night game once again. It's an exact repeat of last season. But I think you've got reasons to be apprehensive if you're an Eagles fan after that performance. Joe, if you're an Eagles fan, you're too busy flipping cars and climbing lampposts. Yeah, and worse things probably, and worse things. (laughs) Well, on that note, Joe, I think we should probably leave it there. We've crammed as much as we can into this episode, and all that's left to do now is get ready for week two. Week two, cannot wait. But let's hope there's no kind of injuries like Rodgers again, because you know, as much as we criticise him, as much as we've got beef with him, it would have been nice just to see how that Jets thing played out, and we're never going to get to see that now. Listen, I think UK NFL fans are, or rather international NFL fans are in the unique position of they just want to see the best football. And for that, you want everyone healthy. I don't think anyone in the UK or Germany or anything like that wishes ill on like another player or anything like that. It's just, we just want to see the best product come out of this league. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a part of that. So it is a shame for everybody that he's injured, you know, regardless of what your personal feelings are towards him. It's going to be one of the great what could have been, and it would be a horrible way for a Hall of Fame career to end if that's how it ends. So look, hopefully some good surgeons can tie things up and 2024, let's see what happens. <laughs> well, we won't have to wait till then. Uh, speak next week, Joe. See you next week, Charles.